Good afternoon, and welcome to Citizen K, a weekly current affairs program featuring in-depth interviews and perspectives. I'm Kareem Mosna. This week on Citizen K. So I kind of thought to myself and I thought to my friends, like, hey, wouldn't it be nice if there was some sort of app or phone line that I can call that would give me, you know, the 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 network or they can or would connect me to a barber to come over and cut and cut my hair. And so that's how the idea originated. Well, I never intentionally set out to create a theme for my Citizen K show. It always seems the interviews that I line up seem to have a common ground. This week, it's ideas and solutions. Coming up, I speak with a Queen's University student who started up an odd jobs phone service. But first, while various solutions have been proposed to address the ongoing housing crisis, but this goes beyond simply addressing that crisis. This also looks at loneliness and isolation. It also looks at uh, diversity. It looks at public engagement and health, as well as the environment. Joining me is one of the organizers of Kingston Co-Housing. Now, co-housing is not a brand new concept. Its roots extend back to Denmark in the 1960s. It has since been in Canada and British Columbia since the 90s. Co-housing involves 20 to 30 private units with shared indoor and outdoor spaces bringing together people of various ages, ethnicities, and backgrounds. Today, there are 22 co-housing groups in Canada with six currently forming while there are over 400 back in Denmark. To learn more about co-housing and the vision for Kingston co-housing, here is my conversation with Susan Young on Citizen K. To get a deeper sense of co-housing, I understand this brings uh, seniors to, uh, to, 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 to young, young adults all into the same um, shared space. Yeah, Denmark had the vision of multi-generational, inclusive and diverse, intentional community. And um, there's more in the States. There's a woman named Katie McCannant, and she's really considered the guru of North America. Some in um, Canada hire her too. She's written books on co-housing. She's been to Denmark. And um, yeah, we just keep kind of learning and exploring. So co-housing is about multi-generational coming and living together in their own private units, but having common shared spaces like gardening, common kitchen. You might have guests, you know, guest bedrooms. You share all your recycling, laundry, those kinds of things. So you share where you can. And then you also have your own private space that you can tuck into when you need to or when you want to. I mean, it's no secret that we are in a housing crisis uh, across Ontario right now. Uh, how, how would co-housing help uh, be a solution to the housing crisis? Um, well, how, as you've heard, co-housing is new to Canada and certainly new to Ontario. So what we're looking at is working with the, our local um, governments around bylaws and zoning. And the way, what it would be is it, it's a different model. It's closest to condo legislation in terms of how it would come together financially, but how it would respond or help the housing crisis is by freeing up houses for people who live, you know, who have large families, they might want those houses. Um, and then also creating a community where Younger people can come together where there might be middle or older people who can be more involved in their lives. 
So it solves a housing crisis because we get smaller living spaces. So, and then we have these shared spaces. So most co-housing have between 20 and 30. In Denmark, they have as much up to 100 in the rural ones. And they can either have town houses all come together or they have apartment kind of houses. So, or apartment kind of units. So they, we can decide here what is most effective and what responds to the housing crisis. Of course, we know it's all of Canada. A lot of the globe is in a housing crisis. Do we make some of it affordable? Do we kind of gear it to income? Because traditionally co-housing, you have to buy in, you have to have the money to buy in. And we know how expensive, no matter how small your footprint is, you still have to buy in. So could we make some of the units that we have geared to affordable for people who don't have the necessary cash to buy in? Okay, and, and I also understand, and you touched on it a little bit, um, addressing perhaps isolation. Uh, as I understand, you know, this can be something um, definitely felt perhaps by by uh, by the elderly, maybe who have lost their partner, their families are away. But even even for for younger people who might have, you know, have had to 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 leave the city, move away for an opportunity, um, you know. So there's also that aspect I understand that that co-housing can address. Living in intentional communities has a lot of strengths and benefits to it. And for sure, in the older population, we know that loneliness can be a difficult thing. But you're right that it's through all the age groups. And so for young people who are living away from their families, for example, they don't, they don't have the sort of engaged community to live within where they can share you know, childcare, and not even just childcare, but mentoring and being with teenagers or young people so that there's a huge cross section of people being represented rather than the kind of, we do like isolation, young people with their children or middle-aged people whose kids have left the nest or olders. We kind of put people into different groupings rather than integrating the whole, I love the idea of us all kind of sharing at different levels and having different age. I have different ages of friends and it makes sense to me that we could share our, um, way of how we live together. Now, I also understand that beyond uh, social isolation and beyond providing a, a housing options, really, this is also good for the planet in terms of the environment. We're really hearing that co-housing is working and we plan to certainly do very as green as we can do around looking at, um, you know, we all sit with the climate catastrophe, which we're already in. So how can we cut down both our footprint and how can we build in a way that, um, you know, is as green as possible? And, and just give me a sense of, of where we're at in the process uh, of, of, of developing this co-housing project. Where are we at? So we're pretty new. We had our first meeting last February. And um, we really kind of got up and running in April. We've been meeting about once a week since April. And the next big definitive thing that we're going to do is buy land and we need more people. So those are the, so we have to market and we have to be looking for land simultaneously. So that's what we're doing. We're a very small group of starters at this point. So we're really grateful for the opportunity to chat with you because we're hoping 
that more people will come on board who are ready to kind of do the hard work to keep their feet on the ground, such as, you know, you're responding to every email, someone calls you, someone called me earlier today and said, I've heard about this co-housing. Can you tell me what it's about? So how do we as a small group respond? We've got about 50 interested people on a waiting list right now. And we send out emails every once in a while and say, come on and try out a meeting. And we're doing info sessions online once a month. So we're inviting people to come to those. So we're really needing more people to do the work. And, um, you know, we're seven or eight months into a five-year process. So we've got some work ahead of us. We've got some hard work. We've been working really hard for about seven months and we've got some hard work ahead of us still. And is, is, is there sort of a temporary location or a location in mind uh, to, to pilot this project? Well, research shows us that in co-housing, what's most, um, it's like they say between 20 and 30 units, because if you have less than 20, if a few people leave, then suddenly you don't have enough. If you have more than 30, it's too big. But, so there's the size of the number of people, and then there's, how do you get it off the ground? What are the steps? So what we're looking at is something within the city limits. Research shows that when you're on the city limits, you're on a bike path, a walking path, you can do shared cars, you can you know, walk right into wherever you need to walk to, that that's our kind of vision and our goal, that there's the most success. So it's not a rural location, it's a city location that allows us to tap into the services here and use less and less vehicles. Excellent. And as, as you touched on there, you're looking at about 20 to 30 units. Yeah, that's the kind of the ideal, you know, at different, like the folks in Ottawa are going ahead with four people for the second co-housing they're starting up. The people in Kawartha have bought a sort of a series of townhouses that they're bringing together and creating a common one. And I think they have close to 20 people involved. The folks in Hamilton are looking for those numbers and they vary, but mostly they find they need about 20 people energetically just to kind of get it up and off and financially and all the work that's needed to get a project like this up and done. And I think Lunenburg has, um, Treehouse Village has, I think they have 24 units. That's Nova Scotia? That's in Nova Scotia. That's correct. Yeah. So really the, the, this, uh, this idea is really a, a, going on in a lot of communities as we speak. Yeah, how much of it is a response to the housing crisis? How much is it this, we know there's a lot of seniors increasing and we are tending to take the lead on this because young people or people with children, their lives are so maxed out. So we're taking the lead, but we this is not gonna be a seniors complex. We are really intending and talking to young people so that they'll come aboard and we'll have you know, more folks. That's it. We're particularly keen on trying to make sure that it's affordable in that way too. Great. Well, Susan, it uh, looks like the aim is to have it by 2028. That's right. So yeah, seven months working in. So that's what they say. Mostly takes up to five years to when you actually move in. And then what they find is that each time you make a big shift, buying land, choosing an architect, digging in, you know, shovel to the ground. Each time that more and more people get interested, we're at a really high risk time because it's a vision. But once you get land, people are like, oh yeah, I can picture that. Once you get the architects drawing. So that's our kind of 
goal is really we're meeting, as you know, with lots of people to try and invite a lot of people on board, get them engaged, hear our vision. We talked to an architect last week who said, now it's time to sit down and think through what size of units do you want? Do you want a bathroom and a tub or do you want something else that's shared? Do you want your, does everyone want a kind of a deck or is it all gonna be on one floor? Do you want your common shared space to be, um, you know, in terms of your kitchen? How big does that have to be? So he said, once you start articulating your vision to that level, then it really helps to kind of envision how you can move forward. So that's our next, in the next couple of weeks, we're gonna do that, really kind of start to talk through some of the specifics. We haven't hired an architect yet. We haven't hired a project manager yet, but we're poised, getting closer. Okay, well, uh, Susan, thank you very much uh, for, for sharing a bit about Kingston Co-Housing and uh, letting us know where you're at in the process. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity, Kareem. We're very excited. So anyone who's interested, you can email us at kingstonhousing at gmail.com. And um, we're on the Canadian Co-Housing Network. So you can check out some more information on there. We've got a Facebook. That's what we have. We don't have a website yet. Great. Thanks again. That was my conversation with Susan Young, an organizer of Kingston Co-Housing, telling me that was my conversation with Susan Young, one of the organizers with Kingston Co-Housing, telling me more about how co-housing works and what the vision is for a local co-housing group. You're listening to Citizen K on CFRC 101.9 FM, cfrc.ca, and on podcast, I'm your host, Kareem Mosna. Have you ever wished it was easier to find someone to help with tasks such as shoveling snow or moving or painting a room? Well, a Queen's University computer science student and soon-to-be host on CFRC, Nicholas Brassett, has started up Kingston Cruise Services, a phone line that will connect you to someone that can help with these odd jobs. To learn more about KCS, here's my conversation with Nicholas on Citizen K. Kingston Cruise Services, in short, we call it for KCS, offers a bunch of odd job services. It's pretty vague. We offer services from house cleaning to snow shoveling. Those are the services right now that are in demand. Uh, but we also offer other services such as uh, babysitting. We also offer uh, services such as painting. Quite literally, um, any service that you can kind of think of that doesn't necessarily require any like licenses, if that makes sense, or any like certifications uh, we provide. So we we do a lot of those jobs and we also help out with moving. We've had a survey, we had a client who asked if we can help her with her moving process. So we also provide those sort of uh, services as well. So, you know, we, we offer different varieties of services and as long as we're able to, you know, provide for our clients, we're happy to help and I understand this can really fill a niche uh, in the market in the sense that perhaps um, if someone was looking for one of one of the services you mentioned, they would have to probably do a lot of research to find it. But basically, I understand your service will link directly to uh, those that that can uh, provide that service. Exactly. We really do believe in convenience and we think that if there's anything that people love it's convenience so instead of individuals having to research for you know um, movers or, or house cleaners or looking into different uh, 
you know, markets into that or looking into Google and having to go for the entire process of looking for those sort of people. We want to make it convenient for these, for, for people around Kingston. We want them to have a phone line that, you know, they, that they can call, that they can rely on. And then we would do essentially be the third party. Uh, we have our network of people who are more than willing to do these sort of jobs. And by giving us a call, we'll be able to provide you somebody who is more than willing to help within a short time. You know, what we really do believe in, and like I said, is the convenience of having a phone line that does the research for you, essentially. So what is the phone number? So the phone number that we have in Kingston is goes by 613-697-0732. Once again, it's 613-697-0732. How long has this idea been, been in the works? You know, it's it's funny. So we've um, I came up with this idea probably now a year and a half ago. And a year and a half ago, I was sitting with my friends on a video call like this one. And we were kind of just brainstorming. And I remember during that time, I'm, I'm sure everyone here can recall, Ontario was locked down. And I myself, I, uh, I really like having my hair done. I like having my hair cuts. So I thought to myself, wouldn't it be nice if I had some sort of app or a phone line where I would be able to connect myself to a barber, you know, to come over to my house and cut my hair? You know, at that time, there wasn't, there still isn't any service or any app or any phone line that I can use to call a barber to come over to my house and provide me that service that I was looking for. So I kind of thought to myself and I thought to my friends like, hey, wouldn't it be nice if there was some sort of app or phone line that I can call that would give me, you know, the, the, the network or, they can, or would connect me to a barber to come over and cut, and cut my hair. And so that's how the idea originated. And um, since then, we've been, you know, thinking and brainstorming and I've been, you know, thinking and brainstorming about how we could make this legit look possible, you know, uh, and we thought about many ideas and we talked to many people. We talked to people who are professional, who are, you know, who are in law and we talked to people who are in, in tech. And we really, uh, we really looked deep into this and researched a lot into what this could be or what this can become. And eventually, I think two months ago at this point, I had a conversation with somebody here at Queen's University and that conversation led me to really think about this idea again, in which I kind of thought to myself, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't make this so complicated. I could make this very simple for the time being. And again, not having to invest into huge infrastructure that you would need to make a website or for an app. We can start small by having a phone line and we have already people that would be willing to work. And, you know, there are people out there that, you know, that are qualified and are more than willing to do you know, anything else for extra money, especially during these hard times economically. And I thought to myself, this is an opportunity that I would like to try. And I think um, I know there's, if there's anything I would tell myself is that if I myself would use a service and that would mean that other people would use a service. You know, I, again, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be nice if, if there's a phone line that I could call to cut my hair, right? Or an app that I can use to cut my hair. Again, I, I again would also say to myself, like, it would be nice to have some sort of phone line or app that I'd be able to use to get somebody to shovel my, uh, my, my driveway or to clean my home when I'm not there or when I'm there or whenever it's convenient. 
So that's how the idea would originate. And now we're trying to make that idea a reality. I love how, you know, hearing the origin stories of new services or new products. And I think your story there about thinking, hey, you know, I want to have a haircut. What do I do? I love how that old expression, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, it, it's silly sometimes thinking about how it has all kind of started. But, you know, again, it's um, it's. It's part of the story. It's part of how we became who we are right now. And we're lucky enough to have clients. And, um, you know, we have clients that have so far been satisfied with our services. And we continue to um, advertise it. And we're planning to advertise this around the school here at Queen's University because we also believe that this is a, a market here in Queen's. There's people here that would definitely, especially during the winter time, that would appreciate, you know, not having their not having to shovel their own driveway or, you know, having somebody to come over and, and clean their homes. And likewise, this is, there's also people looking for work, especially, like I said, during these hard, difficult times. And, you know, and, you know, there's definitely people who are willing to do these jobs for an extra, you know, source of income. Cool. So you, you mentioned how, you know, right now you're starting small just as, as a phone line to contact, but tell me about some of your, your future goals for KCS. For sure. KCS right now is only situated in Kingston. I'm from Ottawa, Ontario. So this idea originally originated in Ottawa. I would love to have the opportunity, knowing the people I know in Ottawa, knowing that some people I've also gotten to meet over here in, in Queens who come from Toronto or come from Vancouver and other places to expand to those places and have different phone lines in Toronto, in Ottawa, in, in Vancouver, and maybe other cities across Canada potentially maybe London, which is also a university town. And uh, in the long term, hopefully, if things become more uh, successful, I would love to initiate an app or a website where we can make this, you know, a bigger, bigger thing, potentially a more international thing rather than the domestic thing, where, again, people would have an app it in many ways, it'd be, you know, there'd be an app for people who are demanding services and also an app for people who can provide these services. And they would be able to connect locally, right? Because the whole idea is this is a whole local, you know, it's a local thing at the end of the day, right? You can't have somebody from, for example, Toronto come to Vancouver to clean your home, right? So hopefully we'd be able to locally connect individuals using this app to you know, provide these services. And again, you know, I, I, I strongly do believe that you never know who's next door, right? And, you, know, you could be looking for somebody to paint your house. And then next thing you know, your neighbor happens to be very qualified at that sort of positions or that sort of jobs. So I would say the long-term goal right now is to expand to different cities uh, and hopefully develop that app or website that we would dream of. And, and not to at all challenge the idea, but let's just say, you know, for example, someone was not satisfied with the paint job someone did on, on their house or, you know, maybe they had a negative experience with, with some sort of other job. Like what, what would sort of happen in, in a case like that? For sure. So in the situation where people are not satisfied, we would like to have a, like a ranking system or a report system similar to what Uber has. Uber has a system in which if for some reason something, uh, a client has a negative experience with a driver, that driver would have a lower rating. Giving yourself a lower rating means you would have less 
connections, less opportunities to uh, connect with, you know, potential clients. And, you know, it would also just be uh, a red flag. I mean, nobody wants to have, for example, a two-star driver on Uber. So we would like to have a ranking system in which individuals would be able to rank uh, how satisfied they were with this individual and the performance that they have done. And likewise, I mean, if you are somebody who's providing these services and you're making decent income and you're also building yourself a reputation, you would like to, you know, do the best job possible to make sure that you can maintain that good reputation. And likewise, by maintaining a good reputation, you'll grow as a, as a potential, you know, person that will get more clients. Do you think that your current studies at Queens will um, come into play with with, with KCS in, in, in the creation of of the service? It's 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 definitely possible. I think uh, you know just being here and being around other individuals who are also you know skilled in many different things allows me to you know uh, expand my network as well. But uh, I like to believe that I also would like. I mean, I would also like to leave Queens University satisfied with not just having a degree but also having done many other things i want to get uh for example i have also a radio show in in, in cfrc 101.3 fm 101.9 you're on we're, we're on the same station 101.9 fm my apologies and um i would also like to you know get this going and build that experience and potentially have an internship and get licenses for different things, such as uh, my sales licenses, real estate licenses. I want to leave Queens University really satisfied with my time here. still have roughly two and a half years left, so I'm more than confident I will be able to make that happen. Beautiful. And when can we catch your show? We just filmed the first episode with um, a good friend of mine who's also Colombian. Um, he's a in his fourth year, uh, planning to do medical school. So we just had a chat with him talking about medical school, his origins, uh, mental health, among many other subjects. Uh, we're hopeful that by the start of next month, we can air the episode and hopefully many more. December, okay. Uh, great, Nicholas, hey, thank you very much uh, for spending some time to talk with me today. That was my conversation with Queen's University computer science student and soon-to-be CFRC host Nicholas Brassett telling us about a new phone service he's launched called Kingston Cruise Services. And that's all for Citizen K this week. Citizen K was produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at Queen's University. CFRC 101.9 FM broadcasts from Kingston, Ontario on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. Thank you for listening. I'm Kareem Mosna.